I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Yes, good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters. If you have any kind of a general health question, it's an open line show today. Uh, we'll be talking, of course, about COVID-19 for sure. But uh, any other health questions, keep those in mind and give us a call or uh, send us a text. Same number, 651-989-9226. Good morning to you, Dr. Hilden. How was uh, your week? Give us an update, please. Good morning, Denny, and good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good weekend. It's nice and toasty this weekend outside, at least up here in the upper Midwest. It's been a good week um, at the hospital. Uh, we are we're sort of in, uh, as I had mentioned on, I think it was last week, uh, or perhaps the week before. We've sort of entered a, a, a plateau, if you will, of uh, COVID, or maybe even better than a plateau. We're we're on a slight improvement week after week over where we've been. So, as as we hear about all of the news nationwide about what's going on in other states and and uh, in Texas and Mississippi and especially in Arizona, you know, I think at least Minnesota can be, and Wisconsin, for those of you listening in Wisconsin, same with you, can can feel relatively good, at least about where we are right now, that things are at a, at a relatively calm place. I know our hospital still has many COVID patients, but not, not even nearly as many as we had just a, a month ago or six weeks ago. So I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. So that's a that's a good way to start a week, I guess. Being a little bit yeah, optimistic. very good. Well, that's yeah, that that is good news. Again, if you have any kind of a general health question, this is your day today. It's an open line show, as we said. So call in or send a text to uh, Doctor Hilden six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. And we're it's kind of hard to believe, at least for me, that uh, next Saturday is July fourth already. And it's uh, and I'm looking at the forecast, and I'm thinking you and I have talked about this many times over the years, that with uh, 90, 92 degrees, and that's forecast uh, pretty much the rest of the week today, that can be an issue for a lot of folks. It really can. Uh, boy, I didn't know it was going to be in the 90s all week. Well, I knew it was going to be warm. Yeah, and so uh, I think my wife was telling me that. She goes, get ready for a hot week. It's going to be really hot and muggy. You know, that's kind of the thing about what we're seeing uh, in in healthcare facilities right about now is we're seeing some of our more typical summertime conditions uh, in addition to the, the virus. So our emergency department is actually very busy with things that happen in the summer. There's there's heat-related illness, and people have to be really careful about that. We shouldn't forget about that. And then there's accidents and things. You know, just there's more people out and about. People are more active. They're breaking bones and 
unfortunately there's car accidents and just boating accidents so uh there's a lot going there's a lot of uh um, reasons that you might have to see the doctor this week. One of the things about the 4th of July that we do like to remind people, and this year it seems to be just incredibly high uh, numbers, is fireworks. Uh, I don't know yes. why it is, but uh, many people are reporting that, and and many meaning me, uh, um, way more fireworks going off. These are just amateur pe- folks, you know, like, you know, um, blowing off little fireworks they get, but there seems to be a lot of them this year. And I know the 4th is on a weekend uh, this year. So there's going to be uh, more people lighting off fireworks and and with a relatively little else people are able to do in terms of social, um, you know, having, uh, you know, socializing. Fireworks are one thing people do, whether or not they're legal or not, they can do them from their front yard. And so we're, so just we want to remind people to be as safe as you possibly can. Fireworks are not safe, regardless of what people think. They're not. And so they can um, – uh, burns are the number one thing. But there are other things can happen. You can lose fingers um, when you go to, like, pick up a firework that maybe didn't go off after you lit it, and then you go, and then it goes off in your hand. So there's a lot of possibility for danger around fireworks. So people, please use as much safety as you can. Don't ever go pick up a firework that didn't go off. Um, it could explode right in your hand. So we do we do like to remind people of things like that when the fourth comes around. And then there's just the heat-related injuries. Stay hydrated. Stay in the shade. Stay in cool places. If you must be outside in 90-degree heat for long periods of time, take breaks and make sure you stay well hydrated. That's so important. Very good. 651-989-9226. That'll get you a phone call to Dr. Hilden and a text message as well, if you prefer that method. In fact, let's go to the phones. Uh, Dr. Uh, Patty, I believe, is first up calling from Minneapolis. Patty, you're on with Dr. Hilden. Yes, um, I have a question about diabetes. Um, I've been under a, a lot of stress lately. I mean, who hasn't? But on top of that, I've had... Uh, family issues and we live in one of the neighborhoods that was ravaged and um, you know uh, ever since then my blood sugar has been dropping you know way down overnight to like 40 and um, my doctor has said uh, that she thinks stress might be a part of it she's you know messed with my diet a little bit and that and I'm just wondering if you, you know, have anything to say about stress and diabetes. Patty, that's a really good question and, a, and an important one. And I don't know that I'm going to have a satisfactory answer to you because the science behind that is, a, is I don't want to say it's lacking, but we're not exactly sure. There's some things that we do know. Your metabolism, the, the, the way your body processes nutrients and stores nutrients, um, that is, is upset in diabetes that's the one thing and then the second thing about stress is that your metabolism gets changed during that as well one kind of example of that is that you know people who are anxious or nervous let's say just under stress many many people get gastrointestinal problems so you know with that uh, and you, your stomach gets tied in knots when you're anxious and so well if your intestinal tract can be so tied with your anxiety and stress level it goes to reason that your body's metabolism in general uh, is connected to your, the state of your mental health. 
So the exact connection between extreme stress or just increased life stressors like you are experiencing, the exact connection between that and your blood sugars isn't well established, at least to me. It might be to some more experts than, than myself. But I think it's at least plausible, Patty. I think it is uh, your, your, the way your body is processing everything has changed a little bit when you're under heightened stress. So what I might suggest is just if your blood sugars are dropping low, and you're on insulin, then you maybe need an adjustment, at least temporarily, of your insulin. If you might need, to, if you're not on insulin, then it's, you can probably just keep your medications where they are, and just modulate your diet. Look at your diet. Make sure that you're getting enough to eat. Maybe um, in smaller meals, smaller snacks throughout the day, as opposed to larger. Um, meals and do what you and your doctor are doing, and that is to adjust your diet to try to uh, um, match your blood sugars. For listeners who don't have diabetes, blood sugars down in the 40s are too low, as Patty I'm sure knows. Um, uh, but uh, but when your when your blood sugars are getting down into the 40s, that is something I would want to address. So I would I would check your blood sugars more often during times of stress, and make sure you're getting enough nutrients to keep your blood sugars up. And then perhaps you might need to tweak your medication. Uh, whether or not you can just mitigate all this by by calming, you know, finding ways to relax, I don't know. But I think that's always a good idea for all of us during this time, especially you. You were you were in the the, the neighborhoods that got hit really hard, so your life has been upended a bit. So that's probably an unsatisfactory answer, like I said at the beginning, because I'm not exactly sure of all those connections. But I think what I think you're on to something, Patty. I do, and uh, best wishes to you as you try to try to find a way to kind of come to a new normal. Thanks for your Very call. Good, doctor. We need to take a break, a quick one, uh, alerting our listeners on the phone. Stay there. We're going to get your questions answered and text messages, too. That's all straight ahead here on Healthy Matters and News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. If uh, you have a general health question, it's an open line show today. So we'll uh, talk not only about COVID-19, but whatever you want to talk about with Dr. Hilden. 651-989-9226. We have callers, Dr. Hilden, and we have texters as well. So let's uh, let's get back to it. I believe Mike is calling in from Grand Portage with a question. Mike, thanks for uh, waiting. What is your question for the doctor? Hello, doctor. Um, and you kind of answered my <clears throat> my question on the previous caller, but can type two diabetes be reversed? If not, can it be managed, and how? Hey, Mike. Hi, Mike. Thanks for your question. The, the type two diabetes is is the kind that most people have. Uh, uh, for listeners who might not be aware of uh, the kind of the basics, it's the one that ninety ninety five percent of people with diabetes have. What's called type two. Back in the day, it used to be called adult onset, but that is not accurate anymore. So we call it type two. What it means is that your body makes insulin, but it doesn't process that insulin correctly, and so. Um, so that means the blood sugars in your body rise and fall up and down, and your body doesn't process um, your nutrients correctly. Can it be reversed? Well, you cannot be cured. There's no cure for diabetes, but it can be managed. And there are so many good ways to manage diabetes today that it is better than it has ever been. There's been so many advances in the last 10 years on diabetes. It might be one of the diseases that we treat frequently for which there are so many new medications that it's bewildering even to us in, in, as doctors. 
you know, some medications, some diseases, there's one new drug every 10 years or there's one new treatment every 10 years. Diabetes, there are just so many new treatments in the last decade. So if you have diabetes, you should be seeing somebody who knows, uh, who's knowledgeable about that. That can be your primary doctor. Often you might want to also see an endocrinologist, but you, you can find a regimen of diet and exercise and medications, whether it be insulin or pills or other, other non-insulin injections, some combination of all those can be found that will manage your diabetes to keep it under control. So can it be reversed? It, I would say it can be managed. It can't be cured. But I, I, the, the message on diabetes right now, Mike, is that it's, it's very positive. It's very optimistic. Uncontrolled diabetes is severe. It leads to complications in your life particularly heart disease, kidney disease, nerve disease, eye problems. It leads to a lot of problems way, way down the road. So managing it now is really important. So go see your doctor, and I'm sure um, they can find a way to help you out. All right, very good. Uh, 651-989-9226 is the number for your phone call or text messages for uh, Dr. Hilden. Speaking of text messages, here's one. Uh, It says, uh, what is cellulitis? Cellulitis is an infection and an inflammation of your skin and soft tissue. It's what we call a skin and soft tissue infection. And it's one of the more common reasons people get admitted to the hospital, uh, surprisingly. Uh, uh, Your skin is actually the huge organ of your body, and it has a number of functions. One of those functions is to keep nasty invaders out of your body, infections. But if you have, because there's bacteria just living on your skin. All of us, no matter how clean and hygienic you are, you have bacteria. There is strep and staph living all over your skin in addition to other um, bacteria. Well, your skin does a darn good job of keeping them out. But if there's a break in your skin, let's say you cut yourself on your leg or you have a sore on your foot, uh, those bacteria can get inside. It's sort of in a breach in your fortress of your skin, and they can set up shop in there, and they can cause an infection. It looks like a red area around your skin. It sometimes expands up and down your skin into a larger area, and it can often be treated either with um, oral antibiotics, in other words, pills, or sometimes in the hospital, if it gets bad, it requires intravenous antibiotics. That's why when you cut yourself, we ask you to wash it out with soap and water because we want to clean out those bacteria so they don't get worse. People that are especially susceptible to cellulitis are people that have diabetes. Like our our last callers, we've been talking about diabetes. They they tend to have um, more susceptibility to skin infections, but anybody can get one. So that's kind of a cellulitis 101, Denny. All right, very good. Uh, let's go back to the phones before we take a break. I think Bob is calling from, uh, in from uh, Hutchinson. Uh, Bob, go ahead. You're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, Doc. It's really been nice listening to you guys on the, on the radio for the last couple of years. Um, I've got a question with uh, the COVID thing. Why have some of the deaths that I've heard of come back as COVID when they're not even related to car accidents and heart attacks? Bob, could you say that one more time? Why have they? Oh, why have the diagnoses been COVID when no. it's a heart attack? On the death certificates, come back as COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, and it shouldn't be. Um, well, how, how death certificates are done in 
than I assume I would assume most other states. Death certificates are um, we fill out what is the primary cause of death, and then what are what led to that death, and then what other things did they have at the time of death that didn't lead to it. So, so in a, in, if somebody unfortunately has a severe car accident or a trauma of some kind, and that is how they died, but they are tested for COVID because everybody now is tested in the hospitals for COVID, their cause of death would have been listed as some kind of trauma, or if it was a heart attack, a heart attack, and then other conditions present would have been COVID-19, but not the cause. In Minnesota, the way those are done, and so that wouldn't have been listed as the cause, but it'll be listed as on the death certificate. Now, there are somewhere it's presumed, but Minnesota also reports those separately. So the ones that are listed as a COVID death are when it was largely established that it was COVID that caused their death. So in Minnesota, they're quite reliable. We have a separate reporting system in Minnesota that says presumed. Um, and so that maybe they weren't tested. Maybe they died of a respiratory illness with a fever. Since influenza isn't really around in June, that would be a presumed case. So we have those those three things. The cause of death, it was present, but we're not sure, so it was presumed. Or it was present and it had nothing to do with the death. In that case, it would just be listed. It's a good question, Bob, um, about how we how we track, because it's important that we have accurate data. It really is. If we're just writing COVID for everything, that's not right, because that would overestimate the burden of disease. But if we don't put it on there at all, then we're not accurately tracking the prevalence in the population. So um, I think we're doing a reasonably decent job in Minnesota on that. Uh, I, other states report things differently, but at least my colleagues that I know at other academic health institutions around the country, they're doing it pretty much how we are in Minnesota. So I think the inaccuracies are relatively low, but I also agree with you that um, it, it can make for some confusion on causes of death. So it's a good question, Bob, and thank yeah. you for listening. Uh, thank you, Bob. But we, we're going to take a break, Doctor. We have another half hour of the show to go. Again, to remind our listeners, it's an open line show. We're not talking about any particular topic. So if you'd like to join in, either by phone or by text, here's the number, 651-989-9226. And we'll have a look at that hot forecast coming up in just moments here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. It is an open line show today. If you have any kind of a general health question, for Dr. David Hilden, call it in or text it in. The same number applies for either, 651-989-9226. Well, Dr. Hilden, we do have callers. We have texters, so uh, let's get to them before we run out of time. Uh, Greg, I believe, is first up here calling from Bloomington. Greg, thanks for waiting. What is your question? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I guess it's quickly becoming a diabetes show this morning. I was diagnosed at the beginning of June. Um, I know you guys say, you know, well, with questions and so on, please call your doctor. And I know we have this COVID-19 thing going on, but let me tell you from my experiences at the clinic I'm going to right now, you, you can't call your doctor. Um, you can't even get uh, appointments. I have a, T, a CT scan scheduled for 10 a.m. I saw my doctor last Monday at 4 at 3 o'clock. He said he'd schedule a CT scan. Somebody would call me. Well, I called to set up my appointment Friday at 9 a.m. because nobody had even called me back. Um, I've got had multiple issues with people calling just to set up appointments, and it takes days just for someone to call me to get an appointment. 
And then, and then also just the whole diabetes thing. I just, I'm a single man that that's not much of a chef, and from what I see from the education book they sent me, I'm I'm really worried about what I'm going to eat. Um, any help you could give me, I would really appreciate. Greg, you are not alone, and so you are speaking for. Uh, first, I'll talk about your scheduling issues. You are speaking for many. When you say so, rest, um, that's probably not much reassurance, but you are indeed speaking for many because what you are describing is sort of, uh, sadly, the state of healthcare right now, um, where healthcare systems um, pretty much kind of shut down for the month of March, all of our clinic visits. And most of us were frantically trying to find ways, and, and mostly successfully, but get finding ways to have people see us by phone and video. And then we're then we're starting to open up our clinics, just like the rest of our communities are opening up their businesses. And what has happened is that it's been sort of a there's a backlog of patients who can't get in. And then we have people who are um, staffing staffing had to change during the slower months. So I totally hear you that about the frustration. So. Uh, um, you are you're right to be frustrated about that. Um, I don't have a good solution for you. I'm sorry to say, the other than to keep trying, call the places and 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 see what you can do. As for diabetes, it is a it is a marathon, not a sprint. And so over time, I think it'll get better for you. And that it, find a doctor who's um, you're comfortable with that's near you. Um, See a, uh, an endocrinologist if if you're, you and your doctor think you need to. Often people with diabetes don't have to immediately go to an endocrinologist. Your primary doctor can do that. And some of the visits over the next year or two could be by phone or video, and some of them could be in person. I would I would encourage you to do some in person, but they don't maybe all have to be. You do have to get blood tests and the like, so that's obviously got to be in person. So I think I'm I'm hopeful that you can get through this summer without too much frustration, uh, Greg, because that sounds like a real deal. As for your nutrition and the like, um, that is maybe as important as anything with diabetes is looking at your lifestyle and what um, what is your diet like, what is your exercise like, because many people can can help their diabetes control by diet and exercise um, to, and make a significant improvement, maybe even holding off when you have to start taking medications for some time or eliminating the need to take medications. So I would, um, uh, if you can get either a phone or an in-person visit with a nutritionist, that's the first thing I'd recommend. Most clinics have one available because you don't have to be a, a four-star Michelin chef to do it. Um, there, there are simple meals you can do that involve um, healthy food choices that don't require lots of effort to do it. Um, we generally say eat smaller meals more frequently rather than big, huge meals. We tell people with diabetes don't eat as many simple sugars, and by that I don't just mean sugar on a white sugar. I mean simple sugars are, are, are what we mean. We mean carbohydrates, things like white pasta, white bread, white potatoes, white rice. Those are simple sugars, and your body doesn't like those as much. Eat more complex um, carbohydrates like 
vegetables, whole grains, things like that. So you can get some of that advice from a nutritionist, but those are some places to start. Small meals, small um, snacking with complex vegetables and carbohydrates and lean proteins. That's where I would start. And best wishes to you trying to navigate the system, Greg. I feel for you on that one. You are not alone. I wish I could give you a short answer for how to fix that, but you're experiencing what a lot of us are right now, so I'm sorry about that. And uh, stay safe in the next week. Drink lots of fluids. It's going to be hot outside. Uh, Let's grab a text, Matt. This is a two-part text, Doctor. Its uh, first question is, when do you think the seasonal flu vaccine might become available? And the second part, is there a possibility that the vaccine may offer protection against COVID-19? I know you've had that question before. Yes, Danny. Um, the first one of it is pro- the, when will the flu vaccine be out? Probably in September or certainly by October. That's what we when we usually get it. And, you know, we harp on it every year. Make sure you get your flu shot. This year, we're not playing around. This year, everybody, get your flu shot as soon as you can. Um, when your clinic has it or your local pharmacy has it or your local church flu shot drive has it, get your flu shot. Do it whenever it comes out. In September would be great or October. Don't wait till January um, because COVID is a different virus. And if you got COVID and you got the flu, that's not good. Um, and uh, we don't want you to get either one of them. But if you get them both, that's really not good. The second half of that text is, will the flu shot protect you against COVID? And that's an unequivocal no, it will not. Um, the flu shot, the flu is a different virus. It's caused by, they're both viruses, but they're different. They both just happen to infect your lungs. But they, they do so slightly differently. COVID is, has a, uh, is, at least in most people, people who get very ill, older adults, people with immune compromised systems, it's a very severe infection. But um, so get your flu shot and know it won't protect you against COVID, but get it anyway. It's, it's really important to get it. Um, you just don't want to get both of those infections this year. The COVID vaccine, some, some optimistic medical people think it's going to be ready early 2021. I'm slightly less so. Uh, we haven't had a vaccine developed in less than five years in the past. They take five to 10 years to develop mm-hmm. a new vaccine. So to get one in one to two years would be record-breaking. But I think that uh, the scientists can do it. I'm hopeful we'll have a COVID vaccine in 2021. Um, but it will not be ready by this fall. All right. Let's go back to the phones, Doctor. Uh, I think Shelley is calling in from uh, Elk River this morning. Thank you for waiting, Shelley. What's your question? Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, I know someone who was diagnosed with COVID-19 back in April. She was in the hospital a while and tested negative twice and was able to go back to her home. And now she's testing positive again with symptoms. Can this become chronic? Shelly, that's an awesome question. And I wish I had a better knowledge on that because we're just, we're learning about new new patterns with this thing and it the reason the test was negative it could be that it just got missed aren't perfect tests are not perfect and so it could have just got missed on the negative ones and she's been positive this whole time it is also true that some people you asked does it become chronic some people don't seem to clear it and most of us our antibodies get developed and we clear the virus and it goes away and so a subsequent test will be negative um, after, after you've had an infection. 
most of us that might happen at two or three weeks. But some, and that's why we often test people in the hospital two weeks after their positive test to just kind of verify did it turn negative now. But some people it doesn't seem to, and I we're not exactly sure why those folks it's staying positive. I have a colleague who works out at the University of Minnesota system, and he said in his clinic, um, occasionally he'll have patients that are ill for a month or two or three, and they have this low-level kind of malaise and illness, and they just don't feel well. And uh, they seem to have a a more indolent or longer-lasting low-level infection with COVID, and we're not sure why that is. The vast majority of people will get better and they're, they will turn negative. So for your for the person you know who became positive again, I would believe that. I would I would trust that that she's probably got it again, or never really cleared it the first time, and that uh, she might be one of these people that has a longer course. Even if I'm not exactly sure why that might be, she should stay quarantined from people and stay away from people and just assume she's still positive. It's a good question, Shelley. Yeah. We're going to have to learn a lot more about that in the coming years. 651-989-9226 is our phone number and text number as well. Uh, let's grab this text and then we'll take a quick break. Texter says they have heart failure. And the question is, is this person more at risk with getting the uh, coronavirus? Heart failure is one of those illnesses that um, makes you more susceptible to more serious illness with the coronavirus. We're not exactly sure if it makes you more susceptible to getting it in the first place. But if you do get it, it's likely to be more serious. That's clearly the case with people like with diabetes. Diabetes, it doesn't make you more likely to get the infection in the first place. But it does, as Dr. Lefebvre said last week on this show, but it does make you more susceptible to having a more serious version. Probably the same can be said with heart and lung disease as well. You might be more susceptible to getting it. We're not sure about that, but you're definitely more susceptible to having a serious version of it if you do get it. So people with heart disease, people with lung disease, diabetes, you for sure need to be um, social distancing, wearing your masks. It's very important for you. All right. Let's take a quick break here. We'll be right back. It's an open line show on Healthy Matters this morning. Right now in the Twin Cities, as we head to near 90 for a daytime high, it's already 70 here from News Talk 830 WCCO. Hi, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters, an open line show this uh, morning with Dr. David Hilden. Uh, Doctor, we have, do have callers, we have texters, and I know we have limited time uh, left in the show. But uh, Susan, I believe, in uh, Albertville has been waiting on the uh, phone for you. Susan, uh, thanks for waiting. What's your question? Uh, yes, I was just diagnosed with myelodysplasia. I wasn't given much information on it, and I would like to know, is there any place you can find what myelodysplasia actually is? Yeah, good question, Susan. Myelodysplasia is, myelo is the blood, the white blood cells in your um, body. They're made in your bone marrow, and dysplasia is that they're not right. How's that for a medical answer? Dysplasia means that. They're misshapen and misformed, and they're not um, functioning the way they ought to. So, um, uh, it's a, so in other words, the short answer: it's a blood disorder. It was probably picked up on a blood test. And um, my my suggestion is, if you haven't yet done this, see a hematologist because um, they can give you. There's a lot of different types, and they can give you uh, more specifics about what yours means. 
Now, your your white blood cells have a lot of important functions in your body. Um, they have they fight infections primarily. That's the main thing they do. They they are involved in inflammation and in healing and basically keeping your body in tip top shape um, uh, against foreign invaders like infections and cancers and the like. So if the cells themselves are not if they're not formed correctly, they're misshapen, they're not functioning correctly. That's um, uh, there, are, there are myelodysplastic syndromes, or MDS. Some of them can turn into larger blood cancers. Um, some of them just kind of simmer along over time. So the treatments vary. Uh, uh, I would suggest that the, your first call be to a hematologist and ask them about what type you have and what you ought to do, what kind of surveillance you'll need. It's generally you'll get some blood tests at periodic intervals. But it, that, what is that interval, three months, six months, one year? That would be up to your, um, you and your doctor about what your specific type is. Uh, there are probably web resources you can do um, uh, uh, and look things up on that. I don't know any specific websites offhand, but um, anything related with an academic medical institution would be more reliable. What I mean by that is go to the University of Minnesota or go to Mayo Clinic site. They have good, um, I would say, reliable information about that. Just Googling myelodysplastic syndromes could lead you to down a, a rabbit hole of inaccurate information. So go to some of those academic medical sites, and I think you could get some good information there. But my number one advice, call a hematologist. All right, let's grab another text. Uh, this uh, is this person is asking a recommendation for who should be tested for COVID-19. This person works at a place where no one wears masks, but the public is not let into the building. They say two staff people are 60 years of age, rest of the staff under 40. This person had a cough for three weeks, scratchy throat in May, some muscle soreness, but no temperature. Uh, and I guess the question is, uh, what about testing with those folks? Yeah, that texture who described those symptoms, I would be tested. It's relatively low risk if you're at a business where it's just you and the other coworkers, but it's not zero risk. I've been starting to put risk on sort of like a one to ten scale just internally. This isn't scientific in any way, but you know, if if you were all by yourself and you never saw another living human being, your risk is like a one. And if you're at an indoor large event in you know, arenas of the like, you would be at a risk of a ten. That would be about as high as you could get. And and being at a business where it's just you and a couple other coworkers is on the lower end of that scale, but it's not zero. And if the customers aren't allowed into the store at all, that's good as well. All that being said, if you have a scratchy throat for a couple, three weeks, and you're, it, 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 that's a symptom, and sore throat is one of the symptoms of COVID, and it's such a variable presentation. Some people have mild sore throat, and some people have a raging temperature and a bad sore throat and a cough. It, it could be anywhere in there. So this texture, I would recommend you be tested. I think that your symptoms are adequate. We basically tell people if you have any symptoms, you should be tested. If you've been around people that are positive, you should be tested. If you're a healthcare worker, you should probably be tested. And if you've been in a large congregate setting, such as large gatherings of people, you should be tested. So this person qualifies, and I'd recommend they go in. All right. We have a little over a minute to go, but here's a, maybe a quick uh, question and a quick answer. Uh, would a slight swelling at the top joint of the littlest fingers along with occasional pain at that joint be arthritis? And should it be monitored at home or treated? That case. If, 
Yeah, if the if the swelling is brand new, it just happened yesterday or this week, and it's hot and red, you should go in quickly because it could be an infected joint. If it's sort of been happening over weeks to months, uh, yes, it could either be arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, or osteoarthritis, which are different, but they're both types of arthritis. Then yes, that can you should be seen, but it could be not not urgently. But if you have a red hot quickly swollen joint that could be infected and you should go in it could be infected or it could be gout those are the two things but if it's more of a slow growing kind of a thing just kind of not bothering you over the last few weeks or months or years yeah that could be arthritis and you should maybe have a, either your primary doctor or a rheumatologist see you for that all right well we're just about out of time and i think for those that maybe didn't get their questions answered and we always run out of time are we going to do another open line show next week Indeed we are, Denny. It's going to be July 5th. Everybody's going to be well-rested because you're going to have had a, a nice daytime activities, and we'll get up bright early on Sunday morning and talk about whatever's on people's mind. I look forward to doing that next Sunday. Very good. Thanks very much. Have a good week and stay cool. Thank you, Dr. Hilden. And, yeah, join us again next week. We're going to do, uh, as I said, another open line show. So if you missed getting your questions answered today, call us or text us next week. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com. 